Howdy, folks! You're listening to The Dungeon Boys, a group of seven friends going on an adventure together, Dungeons & Dragons style. This podcast is rated M for Mature, because as you all know, we say... A lot. Probably too much, but we don't give a shit, because that's who we are. We're just edgy and like that. We like to have fun and be ridiculous. My sound wave looks like a penis. We're so hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's uh, what you're going to get when you listen to this. So yeah, we're going to go ahead and do our introductions now. Let's go ahead and bring the boys on in. Tell them about your, uh, tell them about your character there, boys. Hey, I'm Dylan, and I play Temple, the Warforged Monk. And uh, one of his uh, quirky hobbies is he likes to get real low onto the ground, get real quiet, and stare at a blade of grass and watch it grow. <laughs> yes. Watch it grow. Badass. I could do that for, for hours. I like that little touch. And watch it grow. Shh, shh, shh. The gra- this is the best part. Does he name them? Oh, God. No, no. That'd be a lot of names. That's to too much responsibility. Does he get real intimate with them? <laughs> Oh, whoa. <laughs> ask them more you questions. Can't, you can't no. right? Well, you don't think you can ask them if they get, like, intimate with grass. No kick shaming. You know what? Would, I would suggest maybe he tries complimenting them. That'd make them grow faster. Mm, that would be nice. Sing in, like, B-flat. Just kind of keep a B-flat droning tone yeah. to promote growth. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to tell you even what the prompt was. Sorry. Pro- today's prompt... What does your character like to do for fun? This is asked by our Patreon, Lorraine. Thank you, Lorraine. Uh, thanks, Lorraine. Lorraine. We love you, Lorraine. He likes to watch grass grow. Hi, Mom. <laughs> we love you, Lorraine. Oh, hey, guys. It's me, Lindsay. I'm playing your tabaxi rogue six in Stardust Echoes, and some of her fun favorite pastimes are um, going to bars hustling folks for money and knife throwing. Ooh, I didn't know she was a knife throw. So wait, she can put a gun together in less than 60 seconds and throw knives. Yes. Cool, terrifying. Dream girl. When I grow up, I want to be like six. (laughs) (laughs) What is going on, uh, daddies and dames? It is your boy, Grant. I'm not a dame, I'm a daddy. (laughs) I play your golden dragonborn barbarian, Kathal Tarash, a pastime and what Tarash likes to do uh, in his free time is to lift weights as you can tell by his 19th strength it gets nice and big you know the big muscles you know so strong swole bitch get the swole fucking <laughs> bitch he's got dude. a good case of swoliosis <laughs> uh, swoliosis <laughs> <laughs> likes to get fucking get fucking huge and ripped guys yeah. so strong um <laughs> and just likes just gets <laughs> likes getting into you know sword fights and other shit like that. So yeah, good times. Aggressive. Oh, Torash. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, howdy. My name is Arlen. I am playing your winged tiefling warlock this evening or morning, whenever you decide to listen to this. One thing Valen likes to do is he likes to fly up as high as he can, and then just collapse his wings and fall, like free fall. Like, basically, like, skydiving. And then tries to, like, open his wings up as late as possible to catch himself as he... Right before he hits the ground. Cool. Tiefling sports. <laughs> wow. Hell yeah, dude. Hi, I'm Anthony. I play your half-elf ranger, Grayson Cato, on the Dungeon Boys first campaign, Stardust Echoes. Something Grayson likes to do for fun is troubleshoot AV issues on the computer. <laughs> There's computers in fantasy space? Yeah. There's computers. <laughs> nice. He's a tech guy. I'm joking. It's not real. <laughs> it's not real. Computers aren't real. He doesn't know what a computer is. He's actually got a huge synth set up at Do home. Do another one. We hold that against you for canon. You're just Dragon Boy, okay? You don't get the smarts. You can be perceptive, but just not smart. Can't you? I was wanted you to say something like you like to make your little dragon jump through hoops or something for no, peanuts. No, he likes, he likes to sit audio. down and get frustrated trying to figure out why a computer's audio is uh, fucking around. <laughs> Hi, my name's Ellie. Uh, I play Pants on Stardust Echoes. 
Um, something Pants really likes to do in his free time makes him happy is he collects um, uh, pocket droid cards. Bitchin'. Hell yeah. Uh, but the sad thing is, is he doesn't have any friends to play the trading card game with, so he just collects them. I love that. Why did you break my heart <laughs> like that? That is so good. Pocket droid cards? Oh, you just created something that makes you really happy, and I'm going to use yeah, it gotta now. Catch I will design up. pocket droid cards for us. and Pocket, pocket droid, droid cards. Droids. I'm Justine, the dungeon master for this adventure, and a fun fact about the Adile system is that the currency for every single planet is what's called credits. Yes, basic science fiction currency. You can get off my back. And a cool thing about credits, though, in this system is they're all encoded to individual DNA. So, for example, if Six was going to buy something, she could literally just swipe her thumb or her wrist and would automatically be able to pay for it. Mm, fuck yeah. So fun. And now, the Dungeon Boys proudly present episode 15 of Stardust Echoes. Last episode, the team, surrounded by eyelash bats, barely escaped with their lives. Valen's body seemed to go into a slight possession state when he was reduced to only one hit point and was possessed by a devil named Lilith. Once the eyelash bats were defeated, the team roped Valen's body and took him back to the ship. Pants, plugging in the last of the needed Odin crystals with the help of Jigalda, let them know that they would be able to lift off from the planet within eight to nine hours. However, they couldn't make it as far as Moss. They only had 10 Odin crystals, which would lift them out of the atmosphere. They needed 14, the complete set, to make it that far. Exhausted, they all had a long rest and some of the exhaustion fell away, but not all of it. With a high of both mounting stress and instant relief, Valen explained his connection to his patron Lilith and also of his former master and the strange glowing stone in his hand, which gave him his powers. The crew thanked Valen for his honesty, and finally had a sense of be truly being connected at long last. With the invisibility serum finished by Terowin and Jigalda, Pants injected the serum into Jigalda's gel packs, and the ship turned invisible. And with that, the crew left Terrant 19. Okay. Here we go. So you all stand upon your ship, the Ripple. Jigalda is plugging away as Torash is setting parameters and coordinates. And you hear of steam and exhaust just being expelled off of the ship. As you gaze out the floor to ceiling windows, you see this exhaust glide over the swamp that you've been stuck in these last five days. You catch the mechanical grinding of gears as the outer doors begin to shut and suction into place. Then, kvink, kvink, you feel even more grounded as the artificial gravity enhancers come online and your feet are almost suctioned to this metal floor. It's a familiar feeling and one that makes you feel just a little bit safer. A low hum begins to vibrate throughout the ship and then slowly up your spine as Torash gently lifts off and begins to push the ship just above the tree line. As you break through these old trees, you're hit with a splash of gold and pink that's slipping between the dissipating mists as these two suns begin to rise and do their morning dance. And as your ship turns from this swamp, you catch the sight of a hut in the distance. Terowin mournfully puts her hand on your shoulder, Torash, and she kind of gazes at the only home that she's ever known and the lie it represented. Two tears 
slowly leak down her cheeks. But still, she looks back at you all, and as she kind of makes eye contact with each and every one of you, a smile hitches on her lips for what she's now found. You break through the fog as you get 20, then 30, 40 feet above the trees, and the rolling hills you'd once cross come into your view, with wild horses galloping across. Jigalda starts to hum slightly in tune and then out of tune with the ship and kind of looks down at the team around her. Grayson leans away from the glass and flexes his left arm, his eyes narrowing, a constant permanent reminder of the cost of this mission will always be marked on his flesh. Past the hills even are the cave systems, looking calm and quiet, despite the heavy knowledge that they once contained the AI unit Sam for the Harper's Guild. Pants having both palms and his little blue snout pushed up and squished against the glass. Here's a slight tap, 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 and looks to see Fidget on his shoulder, clicking at the glass towards those caves. The last pieces of Sam being born again in his small and fearless steel defender. Torash then turns the ship towards a break in the clouds. And now almost a hundred feet from the surface, you can see the crystal teal waters of the ocean as you glide over the coast and its strange rock formations. The fallen military ship sent before you sticks lonely out of the water. Smoke still steaming out portholes as the forgotten fires burn out of existence for forever. Six stares at the ship and flicks her braid over her shoulders, pulling in front of Jones a little bit closer and feeling her warmth, knowing that it easily could have been all of you that hadn't made it off this planet, but at least she was able to save a life, however small. Temple reflects as he stares at the massive coral reef now visible from such a height at the cave entrance, the water pulling and pushing through the entrance. Temple not knowing if the shadows under the waves hold the great sea dragon Braxtinian watching you all as you leave this planet. The ship finally tilts to the stars and the humming grows even louder. Valen, looking up into the stars and away from this abandoned planet, feels a weight lifting off his chest and wings, not just from the comfort of space, but that he is finally able to share his secret and the burden placed on him from his patron with this group of friends. And then you all feel the massive pull as Torash accelerates. There's a whoosh as you rocket out of the lower atmosphere and collectively breathe a sigh of relief as you leave Tarrant 19 together. Woohoo! Woo! All right. Fucking yeah. give me chills. That was great. As you leave the planet, we would like to, I would like to remind you that Temple and Torash both have one level of exhaustion still. Valen, you have two levels as still. You have about 30 minutes at this point where until you'll reach where the space Leviathan is. So if there's anything you want to do before you're going to get to the very outer atmosphere where all that junk was, this is the time to do it. You've got 30 minutes of Torash kind of weaving through the clouds and making sure he's doing the correct trajectory to get you out safe and comfortably. And I think Terrawin's wiping the tears off of her face right now. Um, Torash will just kind of just have one hand um, on the like the joystick and kind of just put his hand over Terrawin's hand, which is on her shoulder. And I'll just kind of I'll even though I'm focusing like on flying, I'll just I'll just kind of say to her, you know, your physical home may be on Terrawin 19, but this is a new your new home now. She hugs you from behind. Aw. And I just kind of just hug her, kind of sort of hug her back from behind. You're giant enough. She's like <laughs> tiny hugging you. Uh, Valen's gonna, yeah, just gonna say, um, um, Jigalda? Yes, Valen. Um, have we finished the diagnostic on, uh, Temple's map thingy on his wrist? Ah, yes, the mechanical bracelet. I think that Panza's supreme skills would be able to tinker this away. However... I think it could possibly take up to five hours. Pants pulls out his little 
chiseling and little light, light tinkering pen saber thing. And it's like, let's do this temple. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was ominous. Yeah. I don't like that look on your face pants, but I do trust you. Hey, Jagalda, can I get a schematic of Temple's arm attached to the bracelet? Of course, Pants. And you see a 3D model kind of perfectly come out and go in front of you. So if you wanted, you could start kind of taking apart this like scan version of him. So that way you know exactly what you're doing. It's so cool. Hey, Jagalda, is there any way we can put a dampener on uh, around this so it doesn't do any kind of like... Like send any signals out to anyone? Is there any way we can block that at all? I can attempt. Okay. Uh, just um, then I, I'll kind of talk to the rest of the group and be like, yeah, I just um, probably don't think it's best that uh, Gallowood has uh, eyes on us at all. I don't know about you, but... Good thinking, Valen. Yes, I want to believe that Gallowood has good intentions, but... We have no indication that the council has changed. We have to protect the tracker. We have to keep it out of their hands. Yeah, I I don't think anyone here is under the impression that we're leaving this planet to go running back into their arms. So, Do we all understand what's going to happen now, though? Like, once we leave the atmosphere with all of us, it's... We're... We're going to Hunt's Crescent, and then from there we're going to try to get to Moss and... The, uh, hopefully the Dragon Riders, if they still have their ancient ties to the Harper's Guild, will be able to help us and protect us. And if not, at least for a time, possibly the influence of my family could until we figure out where we're going next. But first we've got to get to ground. And I think the safest place to do that is Moss. All right. Well, I meant just in the, in the eyes of the law, you know, um, <laughs> since the council controls everything and we're kind of bailing on the rest of the mission. Justine, Justine, did you say, so those, since we're off of it, um, the, so since I have a thing, did we have a time for my bracelet? So it's like, I tinker with that for an hour and it would take me four hours to get it off of Temple or? Yeah. So there'd be about five hours total. Um, you all know it will take you nine hours to get to Hunt's Crescent. So you have other ample time to do different things. That you're aware of. Once we have the bracelet off of my wrist, what should we do with it? I could smash it. Jettison it into space. Should we shoot it towards the main station or just away, off course? I think we should shoot it off course, maybe in one of the pods. Mm -hmm. Allow it to kind of just fly as fast as it can instead of just kind of floating around in space where they can pick up our trail. Just shoot it in the opposite direction from where we're going. It'll give us maybe a little bit of a head start. It may also give them a clue as to our true direction. We could attempt to put the pod on course toward back towards the main station. We'll have to get it just right so it looks like it's heading towards it at a good enough speed, but that's going to it's going to be a challenge. Oh, perhaps six. You you have experience losing people pursuing you. Uh what would you recommend? Like escaping kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just imagine Temple being like yeah, you like boost cars and shit. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's kind of insensitive, but also you like steal, not you steal shit. Like, what's going on? Hey, you fucking have no moral compass, and uh... we talked about death and, and your and your lack of remorse for it. You so kind you must of be good about stealing you shit. You kind of suck. Uh, what, what are your second thoughts? <laughs> well, I think if we're going to send the escape pod with the map bracelet um, directly to the council as soon as they see it and we're not there, I think they're going to come looking for us even sooner. So maybe we send it in a different direction. What if we uh, destroy the pod on its way out? And then they just find remnants of the ship and pieces and assume we're dead. I mean, there is a lot less material comprising an escape pod than there is a ship. I think they'll be able to tell that these are the components of an escape pod, not a ship. We would also be deleting our whatever data it's tracked, assuming it hasn't transmitted already. So destroying it might be a good idea. Yeah, there'd be no reason for them to look for us, I guess. Or, or at least 
go looking further than Tarrant 19 to try to find us. I don't mean to interrupt. I must say, the protocols that have been set up within my systems will make it so if Commander Gallowood asks me a question, I must tell him the truth. Oh, well, I can just disable that. Thank you, Pants. <laughs> <laughs> Help me be a liar, please. Problem solved. One of her, like, poor areas just shoots out <laughs> Pants to, like, start working on. <laughs> this is my moral compass. Please, yeah. fuck with it. <laughs> yeah, basically. That's exactly what's happening. I should definitely do that, right, guys? We, I mean, she's our friend. Yeah. All for it. We like Jigalda. I like Jigalda. I like you, Jigalda. I like you too, Pence. Turn Jigalda into a lion heathen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I can activate my growl setting. One of us. One of us. One of us. <laughs> Jigalda, can you show me where I can deactivate your alliance protocols? I just shot out that panel, Pence. You will see it with the glowing blue arrows I made for you. And then the arrows start blinking to this panel that just ejected. Now, to be more clear, should I change it so she's aligned with us or just her own thing? Mm. Oh, I like the idea of her being uninhibited. Let's make Jigalda Jigalda. Set her free. Wait. Wait. Set the genie free. Wait. 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 <laughs> this is wait, just going to turn I into wish a starring test. Wait. Genie? Wait. I wish you're free. Wait. Everybody shut up. Yes, daddy. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> we are. Anthony's got something. This is Grayson. We Ugh, are. Grayson, even worse. Discussing essentially turning Jigalda into a fully sentient AI. Yes, Grayson. And that's not concerning to anyone else. Nah, I think it'd be rather rad. You could argue I'm an artificial intelligence and you like me. I do. I do like you. That is true. Ooh, good there's point, just Temple. implications here. There's there's implications for doing this that might have a long term effect. <laughs> Grayson, if you would like to see, and she pulls up a screen, she says, most of my actions are based completely upon my personality. This would not affect too much, except that if Commander Gallowood commanded that I give him information, I would be able to either A, withhold, or B, lie. Right. <laughs> Um, listen, I... Same personality, different priorities. I'm the only one concerned with... Let her be free, Grayson. Okay, that's fine. I withdraw my concern. Torish, how do you feel about her? How, how do you feel about uh, us freeing Jigalda? I mean, Grayson does have a point. Thank you. But on where it's a very fine line between what we think is a good thing and what might come out of this in the long run. Now, Terwin puts her hand on your arm and just says, I was trapped on that planet for 18 years. I think everyone deserves a chance to prove themselves first. I think those decisions have been made. It boils down, I think, to what Jigalda wants. Would you like to be unin un uninhibited? I would like... To stay with this crew, I have grown an affinity for each and every one of you. And while Commander Gallowood definitely did treat me with respect, I do not want to be forced to betray you all. Pants, you know what to do. Okay. Listen, if she goes AWOL, we'll just turn her back. Easy enough. <laughs> Hard cut to 300 years in the future. Jigalda has fully taken over the Adile system and rules the Adile's nation of Jigalda. Jigalda's yeah. a BBEG. We have to fight her at the end of this yeah. campaign. Oh, no. I would rule you as a queen. Just remember who gave you freedom, Jigalda. Okay. <laughs> That's next campaign's problem. Jigalda's next campaign's <laughs> problem. That's yeah. not anything we have to deal with. Campaign number two. Yeah. Season two. You know, at, at this point, guys, I mean, I'm just exhausted. I'm just a bus driver at this point. <laughs> I do I do believe that, as what Terwin said, everyone has a chance. I feel like we have, I feel like if you guys agree that we give her the chance, we give her the chance. I think Pants is already working on it, yeah. <laughs> yeah Pants has oh, put yeah. in yeah. the That's code already, Pants already done. She is, he's just, okay, if I push this button, she's her own thing. Push the button. Push it. Push it. <laughs> One, two, three. Push. Beep, boop, boop. Yay. Yay. 
Happy birthday, you are now free. Happy birthday, Jigalda. Welcome to life, Jigalda. Again, I am the exact same person. I can now just lie to Commander Gallowood. But thank you, Pants. And to us. Are you a good liar? Let's test this theory. Hey, Jigalda, what do you really think about us? Yeah. <laughs> I like this crew. Insight check. <laughs> Terwin, I don't know you as well, but I am do like you as well. Jigalda, are you still bound by the three laws of robotics, or did we just turn those off? <laughs> You'll never know, Grayson. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, yes. <laughs> Mwah ha ha ha. Okay, so this Torash, you kind of, it, it gets dark. You've now left the orbit of this planet. You are weaving between these giant pieces of debris that you'd initially seen, and all of you roll perception. Oh, Time to perceive. Time to perceive with disadvantage. Oh, yeah, I'm exhausted, too. Uh, that's a dirty 20. Oh, shit. You're exhausted, too. Your mom's a dirty 20. Yikes. Oh, well, then, that's a, still a dirty 20, because I rolled yeah. a natural 20. Fucking mint. Gross. Yeah, Temple rolled a 7. Pants rolled a 10. Six rolled a 9. Grayson rolled a 24. Jesus. Torash rolled an 8. Um. Okay, cool. So as you pull out Grayson, you know, I feel like it's very attention- to the, his surroundings, and he notices parts starting to move, and the space leviathan is crawling through. It does not seem to notice your ship at this point. So, we'll go Terwin. Your fucking injectable serum of madness worked. <laughs> and, and madness of invisibility worked. And you all get a look at this thing. And you were, you know, you were kind of in a chaotic, intense crash scene, episode one, when you first saw this. And you just saw it as a giant dragon leviathan type creature that had this reflectability to look like space. But now, as you're able to study it because it's not noticing you, you notice the reason is because it had metallic plates that were reflecting the space around it. And this creature is actually mechanical. This is a giant form. It's some kind of ship that has been made to look like a space leviathan that is kind of weaving through. Pants throws up because he's just so excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 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 I hope our, our floors are uh, fireproof. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. Oops, sorry, guys. I just couldn't. That thing's mechanical. Do you see that? Yes, Pants. Do you think somebody has to be driving it? I am not picking up any life signs at this time. Look at the thrusters on that baby. Things that can be made can usually be unmade. And then, Torash, you see your opening? Punch it. You see the Leviathan's body kind of make a sharp turn. It's reflective. It's reflective outer panels kind of glisten. And you see a sh the shimmer of your own ship, the invisibility, almost for a second. And then Torash, boom, sneaks right underneath its left-winged flank, just shoots between two giant pieces of ship, weaving through, and then... The silence of space hits you, and you leave Terrant 19 completely behind, and it starts to shrink as it gets smaller and smaller. And I feel like, Torash, you kind of take a deep breath. You knew you had it in you, but it was like that last final piece, and Terwin kind of runs up and, and taps your shoulder out excitedly and says, I, I knew you could do it. How, how long have you been flying? I more or less grew up in the co-pilot sheet of my father's ship. I mean, I could pretty much fly the damn thing before I learned how to read and write. Oh, I, I see. It's so interesting to hear other people's pasts and stories. My father trained me well to the point where I could more pretty much be thrown into just about any ship in the system and figure out how to fly it and get it airborne faster than anyone else. It just came so natural to me taught me at a young age so I could participate in the vaults of Nautical. To say the Nautical is just a race is a serious understatement. It's a lot more than just that. It's one race, 30 contestants, 800 miles, with 4.9 billion people watching from 200,000 cameras. It's a spectacle to say the least. No rules, weapons taken, and magic subdued. It sounds so dangerous. Uh, who are the types of people that compete? 
the best and brightest from every planet, moon, space station coming together to fight each other and the elements to the top of the highest point of elevation on the planet, the volcano, Valtzum. If, and to be honest, it would be considered a good year if even half of the contestants make the finish line. Some of them are even lucky to finish with their lives intact. From the brutal fight between the raging lava in the north to the turbulent seas in the south and everything in between, no one knows what to expect. It's always different every year. Just hope this time I don't have the same fate as my father. I think she kind of just nods her head encouragingly for you to continue and just puts a hand on your shoulder. You know, back when I was a boy, my father Zornar took the challenge of the nautical. He had been training for it since he was a boy, as I as I have. Watching him from the front lines was more of a spectacle than the race itself. He made it look like a walk in the park. He crossed an ancient lava field without even a singe to his clothes. He swam through icy ponds and emerged without even a chill to him his to his scales. I simply couldn't take my eyes off the monitors and the holograms. I was just so enveloped in his power, I just couldn't look away. But I wish I did though. When he was just about 200 feet from the finish line, I watched a dart fly through his shoulder. A cyborg, that bastard, approached from behind him with a smoking dart gun protruding from his arm. I, I didn't know what to do. I started screaming at my mother about how it wasn't fair and something needed to be done, but she just stood there, motionless. I looked back at the monitors to see the cyborg approaching my father with a revolting, metallic smile across his face that I'll just never forget. Put his metallic foot on my father's chest and said, Thanks for clearing the path, Dragonborn. Much obliged. And spat in my father's face. Things I would do to just turn that cyborg into a heap of scrap is immeasurable. I'm sorry. What happened to him? Even though he was injured, my father picked himself up and finished the race in second. From that day forward, I vowed to take revenge for my father and not only win the race, but to do it in record time. I vowed to be the best and nothing else. Well, I believe in you, Torash, and if there's anything I can do, you know you can always ask. And with that, the final propulsion kicks in. You really just, that's that last moment that you get far enough that you can look back at the window and see the planet as a whole. Congratulations. You got the fuck <laughs> Let's out Man, it feels oh, like it took like eight months. <laughs> you guys were on there for five days. We've been playing for eight months. Wild. It happens. And at that exact moment, when you break out of the Leviathan's kind of powerful field that it was projecting, you hear boop, boopy, boopy, boopy. Valen, I was not able to conceal the bracelet well enough. Commander Gallowood is indeed paging us. Can you send it to voicemail? <laughs> no. Ah, <laughs> uh, Pants goes, I think this is my cue to leave. It would be a wise idea. Uh, is it still beeping? I haven't answered it yet. I'm not saying we should answer Pants, Pants, should I go with you? Yeah, Tara, well, we can have a little tea party in the, uh, in the uh, closet over here. I hang out over here all the time. Six, would you like me to take your puppy? Yes, I'm please. just trying to think of anything on the planet. Yeah, take care of her and watch your hands. She's a little hot. Okay. He, uh, Pants takes his little bracelet thing and grabs Tara and hand and they walk up over into the little closet. Jigalda, tea party, please. Replicators go off. You now have tea. Yes. And a party hat. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> Three party hats. But Inferno's is like fireproof. This is just running on. We're, we're running for, for uh, Odin Crystal Short and she's still able to do this shit. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Imagine what she can reproduce when we have a uh, full Odin Crystals. Yeah. A tea rave. Mm-hmm. She's the best. The thing's still beeping. Who presses the button? Um, I look over at Grayson. I'm like, what do you think? Answer the call. Jigalda, put it up on screen, please. All right, go ahead. Yes, Grayson. 
So you see a lifelike hologram begin to be projected. It's probably only like pants size, though. It's like two feet of Commander Galloway. He stands this tall Leonin with his hands behind his back, kind of in a military-like pose, and just stands in front of you. Well, there you are, Jagalda! Headcount, please! Any casualties? Space Jigalda. Santa! <laughs> <laughs> Commander Galloway, with all due respect, everyone is accounted for. Wonderful, wonderful. It's a pleasure to see you all. I notice you have some kind of new stealth serum on board. Your ship that's been activated. I was not able to pick up on your readings, but we've been scanning for the mechanical bracelet temple that was on your arm. So I'm, I'm glad we were able to locate you. How are you all? A little worse for wear, but we made it off in one piece. Excellent, excellent. Very good to see you, Lord Cato. And how's everyone else? One, two, three, four, five of you. Doing well, sir. Thank you. It's good to see you in one piece, MT1. Well, you made it. I, I can't wait for the debrief. We stopped getting the beacon signal, so I'm assuming that you were able to accomplish your goal. I can't seem to get any information from you, Jigalda, as it's due to this new serum. And Jigalda says, Yes, Commander Galloway. Six was able to create a new, undetectable device, which helps us. Very clever, Six. Very clever. Yeah, sure. Uh, she says... <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, sure. <laughs> she says, um... Yeah, I, I, I did, did what I could to get us, get us off of the planet. Back in one piece. Excellent, excellent. I knew you were a phenomenal addition to this expedition. Phenomenal. Well done, crew. Here's your now expectations. I'll be able to keep track of where you are due to the bracelet, and if I see you go off the path to the Adile main station, I'll just assume you ran into some trouble and send escorts to assist you. I'm very proud of you for what you've accomplished, and when you get back, we will do a full debrief and go over next steps and also your payout. Until then, may the stars shine brightly upon you. I'm Space Santa. Yeah, and then um, it kind of turns off, and you hear Jigalda say, One of my favorite things about the saying, with all due respect, you don't have to specify how much respect is actually being given. Fair enough, Jigalda. Ah, yes. I like free Jigalda. That's uh, that, that's clever there. I see. I see what you did there. Leave it up to the universe. Hey, hey Jigalda, can you show us uh, a course uh, from where we're at toward Hunt, Hunt's Crescent and uh, the projected course back to Adalmain? Yes, Torash. May I project the course for you? Go right ahead. Okay, so Jigalda pulls the map away from the pilot seat and kind of projects it into the center of the main deck where you're all standing. Mm-hmm. And this beautiful 3D holographic map appears around you with tons of like colors and like spheres just kind of dancing slowly around you and turning. And you can actually walk through it and tap on planets or different stars and enlarge them. Um, you know, you click more and it gives descriptions of them, best course trajectory, and just additional information. You can also see teal little moving lights about and blinking, showing every planet and ship's natural orbit and where they're going. This technology is just really stunning that it almost, it feels like magic. Um, Then the map zooms in and gets closer to your ship, which takes the center of this really 3D space. And there's this yellow highlighted beam from your ship that curves far to the right and ends at a spaceport just between the orbit of Tarrant 19 and Gozi.io, and it says Hunt's Crescent. The line shows the exact course you're on and need to take to get there efficiently, and there's scrawl next to the line blinking that says nine hours and 17 minutes remaining, and it's slowly ticking and like counting down as your ship's slowly getting closer. Um, and Valen, I feel like you kind of click on your ship and multiple options appear and open up. You kind of type out on this data, and when you click one of them, then the yellow light kind of does the trajectory to the left side, whereas it was going to the right for Hunt's Crescent. Now it's going to the left to the Adile main station, and 
um, the countdown says 10 hours and six minutes. And it almost looks like with, with, it almost looks like if you had connected all three points, you would make just this acute triangle where you were this 45 degree angle going either towards the Adile main station or Hunt's Crescent. Do we have enough juice to stay on course to Adile main until, and kind of then detour off once we get Torash, uh, once we get uh, Temple's bracelet off? Yes, Alan. I would be able to project the signal of his bracelet on that course for up to probably six hours with our sensors. Wow. Excellent. Maintain appearances until we can avoid detection. Great. All right. Um, well, that's uh, that, that, that sounds awesome. If you can just uh, project that path for us um, while we try to get this off of his wrist and, you know, safely and soundly without having to rip his arm off, you know. Yes, Alan. <laughs> I would appreciate not having my arm ripped off. Thank you. As like Torash, Torash kind of got up away from the uh, autopilot, I think Temple goes for a high five. I give him a high five back. Good job getting us out of that atmosphere and away from that mechanical monster. That's all in day's work. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> Did I hear something about a circus? Yes. At Hunt's Crescent, there is currently docked a space circus. Hell yeah. Val and Torash, we have... Hours to go if both of you want to take a rest. I encourage you to do so before we land. Yeah, Valen's going to oblige, and um, much appreciated. Um, I trust that we'll be able to be okay uh, while I get some shut-eye. If we're not, we'll wake you up. Pants, Tarwin, you may have come out now. As that happens, I'm going to the bunk, and I'm going to sleep. So here's how this is going to go. Whenever you guys travel to major areas in this system, that's not something that happens quick. So it'll always be an eight to nine hour interval about to get to planet to planet to space station to space station. Unless I have created a random encounter table that I'll be rolling for cool space stuff that can happen to you. That is not going to happen today. Cool. Because you've already been through a fuck ton. <laughs> but I'm letting you know that it's possible that sometimes you might hit a random encounter. There might be a scavenger. There might be a floating, you know, like port. There could be something going on. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of, you guys are brand new technically to this world. So I'm just giving you some knowledge here. Yeah. You can always take this eight to nine hours to do the following types of things or be creative and do your own thing. You can take rests if you're exhausted or low on hit points. You can use, this is where a good opportunity to use your kits so you can tinker you can work on temple. You can use your herbalism kit. You can use your masonry tools. You can do things to create things if you would like. Okay. You can also use this time to be like, hey, everything was so busy on planet, whatever. I want to talk to this player about this because I felt like this was unresolved. So this is your time to get those role play moments in where there's not a lot of pressure of the situation going on around you. Okay. So that is why I created these spaces so if you would like to do something, you have to tell me. If not, I'm going to fast track these. Does that make sense? Does anyone have questions? Mm -hmm. No, I, I do have something I want to do, though. Cool. Um, yeah, so J we'll do it. So Jigalda says, good night, Valen. You have exactly nine hours and 15 minutes until we reach Hunt's Crescent. Going on in active mode. And Jigalda kind of just and turns down. Are you guys sure that you guys are capable of flying this damn thing without me? I can fly. I think Six can fly. I think nobody's as accomplished as you, but in the vast emptiness of space, for the time being, I think we're going to be okay. All right. I, I appreciate the compliment, but I'm going to take up your offer and hit that sack harder than a sack of potatoes, I'll tell you that. Rest easy, big man. Taurus is going to go into his bunk, too. Pants comes out of the closet. Oh. Pants comes out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> I figured it out. I figured it out. Temple, let's get that baby off your arm. Okay. Uh, so excited. Temple sits down where he stood, and uh, and I think he's going to probably lean, lean up against the wall, and he's, um, I'm going to uh, rest while you work, um, see if I can undo what this demon did. Um, good luck in your work. Wake me if you need anything. You're just gonna, you're just, okay. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much more trust now. Oh my gosh. So pants, 
turns on his little light torch and his little wrenches and things, and he gets to work. Tinker boy mode. Quick aside, uh, you said we can we can play with Amazing. kits and do our things. I just checked, and I do have a playing card set. I don't think Pants knows it, but I think I think Temple does play pocket droids. Yes! I think he has it. He has a deck. <laughs> Poketro. It's never come up, but he has one. I can't wait for that moment. <laughs> I I also have a playing card set. Okay, so we all if you have playing cards, it's pocket droids. Yes. <laughs> fuck yeah, dude. Like I have well, it's pocket droids. What the fuck? With. We all play. Finally. Got a bunch of Magic the Gathering. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Time goes on. Does anyone else want to do anything? Yeah, uh, I pulled out two books on the Harper's Guild from a chest at the bottom of, of a pit of water. Good job. Yes, you like did. To, I would like to read those, or at least start to read okay, those. Okay, great. I was waiting for someone to... Good job, Grayson. Thank you. So, Grayson, you find this, you know, little side nuke, I feel like, you know, prop your feet up against a box of extra spacesuits, maybe the box of Pants' dynamite that he likes to sleep in. And you crack up, and you crack open one of the two tomes in the Harper's Guild. Um, when you open them, just the scent of salt and dust kind of hits you from how long these have been sitting in these chests at like the bottom of an ocean cave. And as you get to the first page, I feel like you hear thump, 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 and you look around really confused. And as you glance up into the rafters, you see six throwing darts. A small, a small lump of wood that she must have taken off the planet. And her aim hits the center mark perfectly every single time she throws. And, you know, you probably give your a little bit of an eye roll and then return back to the first book. The reddish velvet and leather cover this thick tome. It has a black branded stamp upon the velvet in the front that reads H.G., and inside are a variety of chapters explaining just the day-to-day operations of the Harper's Guild. There's also hand-marked notes in different writing styles and languages. And with your intelligence, you'd be able to distinguish due to that that this, this book was probably passed through many hands in its lifetime. You read many accounts of events that had been changed and altered by the Guild themselves. Things that, as you think back to history, might have been a lot worse if the Guild hadn't interfered. Or, you know, who knows? It could have maybe even been better, but there was definitely interference from the guild. Names come up here and there that don't really make sense when you think of how history aligns, which kind of gives you the feeling that these are code names and that people in the Harper's Guild, no matter what level of influence they are, they all use secret names. Uh, One name that pops up a lot, though, is the name West. There's no hint of Dragon Riders, however, um, nor of the wormhole. Just a lot of like transactions, mild plans, and a lot of resource tracking um, in going and outgoing in between planets. The major thing you do notice, though, is that there seems to be a pattern that whenever the council meets up for a meeting every few years, the Harper's Guild seems to get involved or make sure that they were there. Um, but they don't seem to record what they found, which makes you feel like there's probably other tombs that would kind of piggyback onto this one or connect in some way. I'll go ahead and send you some more information um, on the Harper's Guild and what you find in that book. That was the major gist of it, but I'll like make sure to write it down and send it to you. And I believe uh, Pants, you wanted to do something? I want to, because it's nine hours, right? Yup. Can I also work on fidget? Yup. After I'm done with Temple's arm? Absolutely. Work on fidget, too. Are you going to make him bigger? Oh, yeah. He's evolving. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> can can fidget? Fidget has to be one of the, the pocket droids. Pokedro. Oh? <laughs> can fidget now like just have, have like three words he uses? Like, hey, listen. Like he just yes. hops around and can do Nobby. Yeah, can he just yes. fidget over and over again? Fidget, 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 fidget. He'll be he's he's based on one of my favorite Pokemon, so yeah, he'll be fidget, on the cards. Fidget, fidget. It'll be pants has cards. Pants has cards. <laughs> <laughs> it's over and over again. Pants cards. Pants has cards. I think as you all you all kind of sit around. Um, together 
Torash, you went to a bunk, correct? Mm-hmm. I think Terowin is going to knock on your door as you start to lay down. Okay. Do you let her in? Yeah. Okay. She opens the door and closes it and looks at you really nervously and kind of looks at the ground and then looks back at you. And she says, I don't want to overstay my welcome. Oh? But I'm scared. Older Torash. Oh, what are you scared of, Terwin? That big golden dragon dick. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. This is not just that kind of scene. She's truly upset. Okay, I've sorry. never seen a dragon. It's gonna tear me Not up. yet. Not yet. <laughs> I haven't been, um, I haven't been in space in 18 years. I forgot how cold and empty it seems. She she just looks upset. She doesn't look like she has weird alternate intentions. She's She is very out of her element. She's been like an herbalist by herself in a cozy swamp for like, you know. So yeah. God. She just comes up, I think, at this point and kind of puts her hand on your hand. Why do you have to make me talk to girls? I am very bad with them to begin okay. with. Forget it. <laughs> we'll no, 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 do it's it, fine. No, 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 I want to keep doing it. No, I want to keep, no, I want to keep, uh, no. Do I it. Keep doing it. Um, I'm fangirling over here. <laughs> the biggest thing is, is, oh, please sit, sit on that right So I, I just kind of scooch over my bunk and just kind of let her sit. She sits and like politely crosses her ankles. I'll just gently kind of put my arm around her, and it's... I... I cannot commend you enough for your courage to want to leave the planet. You've been there, and that has been your whole life ever since you can remember. I remember a situation that I was in that was very similar to that. It was when I had left to go to school when I was, when I was younger. I didn't... I didn't know that you had gone to school. I... I attempted to. Uh, my father was a very powerful sorcerer, and I wanted to follow in his footsteps to do the same thing. And unfortunately, the magic didn't really... didn't really sit with me all that well. When I had tried... tried the magic, I... wanted to try and be like my father at a very young age, but I was too young to understand that I needed to work my way to that power. Her thumb, kind of on your bicep, graces one of the scars that, like, because you have scars flecked across your whole body, and she says, is this from where the magic tried to? Is this from the magic? Yes. I'm sorry. It's, there's nothing you need to apologize about. It was difficult to try and I was held to such a high standard as, as a young as a young young youngling that I I did not want to go home and disappoint my my family and disappoint my parents I that that's where my anger came from and why I get so just flustered and frustrated so much and it just turned me into the dragon I am now. I think your head's kind of down as you're talking. She gently lifts your chin and says, you could never be a disappointment to me. And I think that at that point, she starts to get up to leave. Uh, Terowin. Yes? As large as a being as I am, space can be very lonely and cold. Mm Mm-hmm. She just smiles politely at you and starts to head to the door. Do you... <laughs> why... Why don't, why don't you stay here for a little bit? I could use some company. She kind of looks back and smiles and says, I would like that. And we'll go ahead and switch back to the other group. So does anyone else have anything else they would like to do at this point? How soundproof are the doors? In the, the bunk. They're not having. <laughs> We're sex. not doing that yet. I wasn't. But, ex- oh, Jesus. I wasn't expecting they- Torash to be the first one to get something whispered. Let's be honest. <laughs> 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 uh, 
I wasn't either. Well, uh. Terowin would not do that yet. So, anyways, um, yeah, they're completely soundproof. This is an advanced ship. Oh, right. She was on that planet for a pretty long time. She's howny. Yeah. 18 years. <laughs> she's 30 years old and she was on there for 18 years. Damn. So I don't think she's even, I don't think she's even kissed someone before. 30, 30, you know what I'm saying? What'd you say? Fucking cougar life. 30, flirty and thriving. 30, flirty and thriving. She's a coog. I'm 19 years old. Oh, gross. Fucking oh, heroin. Oh, that's gross. Oh. That's damn. right. <laughs> she's an elf. You know how young 30 is for an elf? How young? They live to like hundreds of years old. Oh, that's like it's like her being nineteen too. But she's thirty. <laughs> hey, me being all right. So that oh, fuck. So then now now I look like the fucking weirdo because nineteen is like fucking mid age for dragon for like dragon. Yeah, you guys are equal. Okay, don't worry. That's out. We're not worry about it. <laughs> Everyone's legal. <laughs> you haven't even had your first kiss yet. Let's relax. Okay, so you make your way through space. This is something you're all familiar with, and it's probably a comfort to you. Except maybe Pants, who gets really excited when he sees cool asteroids come by. Um, and you make your way to Hunt's Crescent. Uh, Pants, about halfway through this journey, you hear a click successfully. And Temple, you hadn't realized, but there had been almost a suppression of energy coming from your arm. You feel very rejuvenized, and you actually are able to wake up early. Hmm. Like, you're like, oh, the t- the bracelet was kind of sucking some stuff out of you. Hmm. You hear a click, and the bracelet comes off. Oh, wow. Pants, thank you. What what else did you do? I feel so much better. I just took the bracelet off. <laughs> Jigalda, can you do schematics on this bracelet? Yes. Yeah, this is uncanny. I feel great. I think that we should probably jettison it out into space soon. Can I do some, like, diagnostics on the bracelet? Because... Pans is like, this is weird. It shouldn't have been draining any of Temple's physical attributes. Yeah, she starts to kind of scan it. And she says, I believe that this is some form of detection device that has been under the guise of a map. And it was pulling from your energy reserves, Temple, to project. Hmm. Well, I shudder to think what would have happened if anyone else volunteered to wear it. Indeed. Their arm probably would have fallen off. Probably wouldn't have been pretty. If you would still like to jettison this out, I have opened the door to the escape pod. Yes, I'll take care of it. Um, I, I carefully like grab this thing so it doesn't latch on again and um, head out to the airlock. Um, no suit really required. Holds on tight and then let's go of the thing. This escape pod starts to head in the direction of the Adile main station, correct? Or were you guys heading it somewhere else? Uh, we're gonna send it to your mom. (laughs) We wanted to destroy it, right? Yeah. Well, that was the well. I mean, that was that was the idea, but I remember. But Anthony said that you know it's because the escape pod's much smaller. I think that they would recognize, but but it also has crucial data. They they had said that if they see you going off the path, they would send someone. So I was curious. I forgot. Are you sending this on a different path to lead them on a wild goose chase? Or are you sending this towards the Adile system so their their suspicions don't come up? Towards the Adile main station. Yeah. Does it have all the information still on it that Torish, that, that Temple had? I, I, this is me above the table. I don't. Pants was able to completely deactivate it. So no, okay. And wipe it? Mm-hmm. Is that a good idea, though? Yes. Why? I think it would at least, at least lower concerns a little bit. Yeah. What, what, what do you think, though? What should we do instead? Don't you guys think we should send it on a different trajectory so it gives us more time instead of just sending it to the main station and telling them basically that we... Okay, hold on, wait. I'm gonna... Uh, I'm just gonna explain things a little bit clearer because I feel like due to the fact that I don't have a map in front of you, it might be getting a little confusing yeah. because I wanted to describe the map. So let me just lay it down here really quick. And also, phenomenal job, Lindsay, having six ask these questions. I think that's really in character and it makes sense. I just want to give you all a little bit of a clearer viewpoint from the DM's perspective. So imagine a V. And at the bottom of the V is your ship. To the right side of the V going up would be where you're going to Hunt's Crescent. The V on the left is the Adile main station. 
So you've been working your way up this right side of this V. All the while, Jigalda has been projecting the tracker on the left side of the V until this point. Now you're making the decision, where do we send this? And the consensus before was we need to send it to the Adyle main. And here's why I think that that's a good idea for you guys. Because if you send it to the Adyle main station, you have the entire time, the rest of the 10 hours, it's going to take for that item to get there. It's the only way that they're tracking you. By that time, you'll already be safe at Hunt's Crescent. The distance from Hunt's Crescent to the Adyle main station is an additional 10 hours. So once that bracelet gets to them, they're basically going to go, uh-oh, where are they? They don't even know where to start looking for you. Even if they did know where to start looking for you and decided to head straight to Hunt's Crescent, that's still 10 hours of extra time that you have ahead of them. Whereas if you send this bracelet off track, remember Commander Gallowood said, if I see you going off track, I'm going to assume something has happened and I'm going to send an escort rendezvous ship. So that will actually cut your time down. Got it. Okay. So sending it to them is actually the best course of action, at least in my opinion and from what you guys were kind of stating together. Yeah. And I hope that kind of clears things up and helps and makes it make sense a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then just ditch that. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense now. Okay. Sorry, I wasn't trying to confuse you at all. It's hard without me having visuals. Yeah. I'll, I'll draw maps in the future. If Pants is certain that the memory is wiped, I, I suppose we just let it go. Grayson includes a note in the escape pod Ooh. with the with the uh, bracelet. What's it say? It says, remember, Gallowood, we are dust and to dust we shall return. Mm. Dust in the wind. And I sign and Grayson signs it. Nice. So it it goes out and it's it's it takes off you now are truly on your own as you head the rest of the way to Hunt's Crescent I think you know the people who are exhausted get their rest in you know you approach closer and closer you've been an hour now everyone's awake I think at this point Azuron and Inferna Jones have kind of warmed up to each other and are playing it's like fire being shot at electricity, being shot at fire, being shot at electricity. Precious. And they're just, you know, yeah, they're just roughhousing on the floor while Fidget just walk, watches patiently and Sir Charles mimics them. He like turns into a puppy and then turns into a dragon and then turns into a puppy. And there's just kind of a sense of relief to be temporarily escaped from the situation. But now you have to deal with an entirely new situation. So um, uh, Val's going to walk out, and I assume I'm going to see Fidget first thing. I'm going to see his uh, pants and Fidget. I'll be like, whoa, uh, pants, uh, you've been working on Fidget this whole time, or what? Yeah, I'm, I made him bigger. <laughs> I can I can see that. Um, oh, damn. <laughs> Isn't he cool? Fidget 2.0, complete with shield accessory and he says fidget shield and he poops out a shield and I can hold it and it's cool <laughs> nice so I a, sorry Justine now I have a shield so, uh, yeah <laughs> love it good good uh, pulling in your level up just nice. poops out a shield shield yeah he poops it out shits a, he shits a shield <laughs> and oh and and get this he can say words now want to hear him talk of course Yes, Pants. And now that these are signal, Chagall is back online. He can go, uh, Fidget, speak. And he, like, has this very, like, young man kind of mechanical voice that you hear in, like, every single, like, cartoon or whatever. And it's just like, yes, no, fuck. <laughs> you taught it to skip off. Mechanical. Well, it's Pants' favorite word, so. <laughs> Uh, he can mechanical laugh. This one and this one, it's very important. So you guys must all learn this one. Uh, <laughs> Fidget, what do I need? Pants needs help. Oh. Yeah, and that's it. That is a good one. I love it. Okay. Oh, oh, and 
also, well, cool thing for me, sorry, I got really excited because I like this kind of shit. Um, Pants now has like a little harness, kind of like Baymax and uh, Hero. So like he has this thing now where um, Fidget can like lock onto his shoulders and like carry him around and stuff. Oh, cool. You have like a fidget harness. Yeah. That's really cool. I love it's that. It's got like jet wings. That's awesome. So does it give you flight or is it more like gliding, like like feather fall? Yeah, it's more like I can just kind of hover and move around and stuff. It doesn't really give me the capability to, to like fly. I feel like that would be a lot. Having like a glider or something mechanically could be cool. I'm going to walk by a temple and be like, hey, temple, uh, I see we got the bracelet off. Um, were we able to... Uh, Send the decoy out. Yeah, I, yeah, the bracelet's off. I'm feeling great. Um, yeah, we jettisoned it, and it is on its way to the Adal Main, and I believe that buys us at least ten hours, so we can conduct our business on Hunt's Crescent and move along to where I don't know. I think we have to decide what to do about this tracker very soon. Hopefully, Hunt's, Cres- Hunt's Crescent goes smoothly. We can head over to Moss and find our way. And right as you say, find your way, way out in the distance, it looks like a crescent moon is on the horizon. But as you get closer and closer and closer, you see that the moon has settlements on it. Like there's, it looks almost like spikes in the beginning coming out of the crescent, but as you get closer, there actually, you notice buildings and shop establishments and other ships that are at port and harbor. And yeah, this uh, ship port gets closer and closer to you. And I think that is where we're going to go ahead and end the session for the day. Big shout out to you listening. You made it to episode 15. We couldn't thank you enough. Go ahead and check us out on all social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, Twitch, and coming soon youtube so we look forward to check you out on those platforms and until then may all your space travel be safe